first, uh, the first line that I wrote down for today is uh, declare, God is good. <laughs> so, God is good. Yes. Whoa. Oh, all the time. I had some other declarations, too. I, I just... I have these weird things that happen to me when, whenever, whenever I think about coming here to talk, whenever you know I have this opportunity to do it, even if it's testimonies, whatever. Like I look out, and I just see this overwhelming love that God has for this body, and um, I, I can't help it. It just, it bubbles up inside of me. It, it. It just does something to me that says, I think God is just so pleased because um, people are prepared to enter into the fullness of life with him. We all have different words for it, press in, intimacy, whatever. But I just think he's so pleased that we are prepared to do that. And entering into that is a bit of a process. And I want to just talk a little bit about, I'm going to talk a little bit about the process of entering into intimacy today. But I just, God is is really neat. I've got to roll up my sleeves here. (laughs) Enter in. When we were driving in this morning, I could feel this bubbling up inside me. And I thought, well, if we lived in the South, I'd say, I feel the Holy Ghost to coming. I thought, oh God, you're good. Anyway, um, I'm not sure quite how that's going to unfold, but anyway, I I love I love process, and um, one of the neat little things that that God did for me a while ago was uh, Jeannie Hefner and I were talking, and uh, turned out we lived in the same town years ago. Um, she moved away a couple of years before I moved there, but as as we talked, there were people we knew in common, and this is from the 60s. <laughs> Which is really <laughs> she babysat kids. I babysat. I hung out with kids. She babysat, and it was really fun to just make that connection. But the biggest connection in it was this: like it was growing in getting to know each other, and the realization that we each liked the same teacher. And the reason I liked Mr. Gary, the grade nine science teacher, was for science class he rolled in a trolley with a car engine in bits and pieces. And rather than going through the book, we did the process. Rather than the theory, we did the process of walking through assembling this car engine. (laughs) And I loved it. (laughs) I even thought I might be a mechanic at that time. But it it showed me that God had wired me for some mechanical things that I love to do. I love process. And so part of that still is... Well, that is, it's still a part of me because as I look at how I grow in my faith, if I look at how I walk it out in the world, there's a process to it, and I love to kind of pick those apart. Not that I want to get stuck on the process, but recognizing that there's a purpose in it. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end for all of us as we walk in process. So part of the process of getting ready for this we had a really getting ready for today. We had a really a bit a really challenging week. One of the um, one of the hardest things for me over these past few years is our kids live a long way away. <laughs> not all of them, but most of them. 
And we just don't get to see them all that often. But a couple of years ago, we, we had to move my parents to a place that was, would work better for them. And we had gone up to see my dad. And uh, it's, very, it's, it's really, I love him so much. But we don't get a lot of time together anymore. And he's in a process of being where he is. And I'm in a process here, so that's this father-daughter thing. But it, it, when I come back from it, it's so hard to say goodbye to him each time. I'm grateful for the help he has, and my sister is there. It's really, really hard to say goodbye. So when I came home on Thursday night, it was like, okay, Saturday, I could, no, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to talk. Okay, what am I going to say? And I was just, I was lying on the couch, and part of, part of this is to set the scene for where First John is. Part of, I was lying on the couch and the sun was just bathing through the window and I was lying there and I was just caught up in this moment of loving and appreciating God, saying, fill me, give me what I need. I've got anything inside me right now. Give me what I need. Fill me. And it was just this flash where it was the sun was there and I was lying and it was like there were these ticker tapes not ticker tape, they were little stand-up men going like this. And I could see creation. And God said, let there be light. And I could feel this light. And I could see Moses. (laughs) And Moses was saying, God, if you're not going with us, we don't want to go, but I want to see your face. And even Charlton Teston had to have his face in the crook of the mountain when the light came across. So powerful was the light of God. And I could see David. This is sort of pop up. There was David on his knees before the Lord, putting his heart before God. And then, and then there was John the Baptist and him being this forerunner spirit that just said, I'm giving it all, I'm getting it all. And he saw the light ahead of us, ahead of Jesus. And then Jesus, the light at his birth, the darkness at his crucifixion, the light at his resurrection. And then there's the Pentecost. (laughs) And the heavens opened and light poured down. Light is so associated with God because he is light. This... um, Total the first chapter of First John, this declaration from the apostle who lived the longest, John, saying, "What we said is true. It all happened. He is who he says he is. He will be faithful forever. He is there. Such powerful. That word um, light. It's the same light when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. It was so it was so pure. Um, there's no darkness in it. We can't imagine that. Even with the best laundry detergent, we cannot get that kind of light. I actually looked at this commercial online where the from the 50s or something, and the knight comes on the horse with his laundry detergent to make the oil workers. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna get as white as God is. So God is holy, this perfect, perfect light. In him there is no darkness. 
Why was John writing this to us? Um, I don't think John knew necessarily that the Bible would be where it is now, but he knew that there were people around him. And he's writing this story many, many years after they've lived it out. Um, there's some wonderful stories told of John and how he would, they would carry him in and put him down. And he would say, love one another. Where does that come from? It comes from years of walking through the process of being in one place and getting to another. But let's go back for a bit. He starts and he says, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. He knew from walking the downfalls. He knew. He knew. He knew. He'd experienced this. He knew who he was. He was writing this so that we would walk in the ways of Jesus. Declaring that God is light, that we may not sin, that their joy would be complete, that we would be together in this. John tells us that God's desire is to forgive our sins and to set us free from the power of that sin. Now, a good question, a good question that we could ask ourselves if we're believers already and been walking this walk. What used to be a sin in your life that isn't a sin anymore? <laughs> there was a bit of a measuring stick that we could use. Um, maybe there's something, yeah, something for you to consider. But we confess our sin and we're cleansed. We're cleansed by Jesus' blood. But following that, there is a responsibility for us to walk in a new way. We can't be complacent about this. Sin is sin. God forgives. And we walk. And we will continue to sin. But he has provided that advocate, as they say in the, I think it's the prayer book. He has provided the advocate who paid the price. But... And this is the part that I, the where process kind of fits into it. We should walk differently <laughs> than the world around us. We should walk in obedience, submitted to his ways. We should live in him. And so what John uses in the, in the uh, next chapter is he talks about how important it is to live in him to live in Christ, to remain in Christ, to be full of obedience and then live a fruitful life. We reflect on our love for him. So if you could look at it as kind of a little chart in a process, to know him is to love him. We love him for what he's done. We are grateful that he has forgiven us our sins. We are grateful that we are cleansed and can walk anew. We want to love him. We do love him. So to know him is to love him. To love him is desire to want and keep his commandments, his ways, his will, and walk in that. To desire and keep his commandments, we keep on walking in his ways, shows that we love him. And the world will see that. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. First of all, we admit that we're a sinner, that his grace by loving and that his grace has saved me, but I walk it out by loving my brother. If I claim to know him, I must live it out. What I say and what I do must line up. We see this throughout the New Testament in Ephesians 4. Paul speaks about it quite a bit. Um, John 15 talks about how, we re- how important it is to remain in him, and out of that flows our lives. But how do we do this? It's going to look different for everybody because we are all wired differently. I remember the, the first time that uh, I actually read a book about different personality types and, and recognized that everybody didn't think like I did. <laughs> that was like, that was actually a bit of a revel. That was a revelation. I could not figure out why Brad did not process things the way I did. <laughs> but then it was. I still need to show more grace in that one. But, but it's going to look different for us all. What is it? Like, what is it to abide in Christ? I abide in Christ, Christ abides in me. That's not a word that we actually use very much these days because it's an older word. More likely we would use remain in me, draw near in me, rest in me, cease your striving. But the big part about remain is that we live in a pretty transient society. Um, we don't remain anywhere long. We don't even like to remain in line to get our coffee. We want to go through the drive-thru. If there's five cars at the drive-thru and there's three people in line, which one's going to be faster? Actually, the drive-thru. But we won't, we don't remain. We move a lot. We move from job to job. That's the way our, our culture is today. But still in the midst of that, we can remain in Christ because this is different to the world. To remain in him, um, we are, the other part we have with that is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, which um, the worker to help things make things happen. And so when we remain, we've got him there too. So it's not, not just us doing it on ourselves, by ourselves. Remaining is, inst- is intimate. Remaining is constant. It's consistent, much different to the world around us. Um, We talk about God is, well, we use, and it is in the word, God is love. And we've explored that um, to some degree. And I'm so grateful that in this body we speak about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, because as we learn to love, We can be more like Christ. But God is love is a phenomenon far greater. And if we could ever attain that, I don't know, maybe we have, I don't know. It's so amazing that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are so close, so interdependent that they are one. It's actually really mind-boggling. But can you imagine what it would be like if we, as we abide in Christ, were so close that we lived out that kind of love, the world would be different. We want our life 
as we as we remain in him we want our life to flow from that intimate relationship with god so that we we have his presence with us as we go um when we submit to his commandments and we know his will and way we have a better chance of learning and living that out remaining in him i'm really grateful that we serve a holy god Um, Because then we become part and we enter into that. Because a God who didn't care about sin or was a bit complacent about it all or didn't really care about our redemption, would that be a God who's much good against the darkness in the world? I think not. I want to be with the holy God. Um, But it's this process of developing this intimacy that... um, Peter, Peter discovered it when we looked at him. When I talked about him before, we, we, how God took him from the unknown to the known. This journey from one unknown to another and then becoming aware of who Christ was and trusting the Holy Spirit. So there's a trust involved in this process of intimacy. With John, we, we know he walked a longer time. And uh, his, his words of remain, 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 um, he knew that there would be people who pulled away. And later on in the book of First John, he talks about that, where um, some of them are pulled, people are pulled away by false teaching, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, <laughs> cravings of this world, boasting, pride. Those are things that pull people away. And um, he's saying, you don't have to go that route. That's a liar. That's not. And some will. But you don't have to. The call is to remain in him. So what w- how do we foster a life that remains in him? Steady, consistent, dwell in his presence, talking with him, obediently submitting to his will, accepting the love he gives. We know in our identity that we are a son and a daughter. We hear that a lot here. And I'm, I'm really grateful that we are the son. We are told continually to believe it. We are the son and daughter of the God Most High. That we are beloved. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're intimate with God. <laughs> um, it it doesn't necessarily mean that we even spend time with him. We may know that in our head, but to walk it out in our heart means we have to we have to actually partner with him in some of these things and do some things that would do that that would build that relationship of intimacy. As I said, one of the challenging things about having our children and much of our family live a long way away is it's, it's really hard to keep in touch. We have FaceTime and we have letters and we have visits, but it's not the same as when you live with somebody and you interact in the morning, noon, and night and you talk about things and you hash things over. Um, it's much harder to be intimate when you're separated. So what are some of the things that we can actually do? In the, um, back in the 1970s, uh, Richard Foster wrote a book on celebration of disciplines. Excellent. It's an excellent book about um, 
just silence and solitude and, and growing closer to, to God. And there's a real resurgence these days of those of um, pouring into the, uh, the disciplines that the early church fathers practiced. There's some, there is a tremendous amount of value in this because, first of all, one of them is just simply slowing down. Um, to slow down and sit in his presence. We talk about doing it, <laughs> but do we do it is another thing. And I just want to encourage you that setting aside time to slow down and sit in his presence, to cease from striving and learn to enjoy the quiet. Now, it may take some practice to do this, especially for those of you that are extroverts and love to have people around them all the time, always talking, always interacting, always moving. Um, It's hard to sit out by yourself and say, okay, God, because you have to calm your mind. But you renew your mind as you calm your mind. And you get closer to him, and you you listen for his voice, and you look. Um, At first, it may five minutes may seem like an eternity, and then you practice it a bit more and you do it a bit more and five minutes is nothing. You know, a worship song, five minutes in a worship song is nothing in the light of eternity. <laughs> but in that moment as we sit and we listen for his voice, we grow in intimacy. Something else that's really helpful in building, um, fostering, abiding is remembering our identity and speaking it out. We, the declarations that we do here are so encouraging. I believe that it brings, it bring, it does change the atmosphere in here. We, I mean, we're kind of talking a bit about that, but it changes the atmosphere from hopelessness to hope, from, from good to good to who is God declaring that. Remembering that who we are in him and declaring that does a lot to foster our intimacy with him. Um, we've received his grace. Do, we, uh, do you spend time thanking him that he has forgiven us for what we've done? That it's only by his grace that we don't do a lot of stuff or aren't, you know, in a place? Um, there is nothing, it's already been said today, there is nothing he cannot forgive. There is nothing that is not there that we can't walk out with him. Um, We thank him that he's called you. Thank him that I cannot be separated from you. Nothing, the word says, nothing will separate me. That I am not condemned, even though I have sinned. I am forgiven. Thank you for that. I have your peace. I have your spirit. I am being transformed. Because as we move in to that intimate relationship with him, somehow in the mystery of who God is and what he does, he transforms that inside us to look out his way. We hear it. We see it in the renewing of our mind. We may think about something differently. That's why that question from before about what did you used to used to be a sin isn't a sin in your life anymore is a good one to ask. That's a measurement of am I transformed? Is there a difference? Has it made a difference? 
one of the practice, one of the spiritual disciplines that I have just really been blessed by was writing out the blessings that I have. After Brad had his heart attack a few years ago, we were in this place of him healing. Where's life going? We were moving here, selling in Comox. Um, I came across blessings and started to write out all the blessings. Thank you that it only took four paint coats of paint to cover the ceiling and not five. Thank you for everything I could think of. I wrote, I was thankful for, and I wrote these blessings out. And even as I go back and look at them now, they refresh my spirit and remind me the intimacy of God right there. Making margins in your life. There's a very good book on that one. (laughs) Um, The book is even written with wider margins than normal, which is quite fascinating. But we tend to pack our days pretty full. This sort of goes with slowing down, but it's a little bit different in that it purposely says, God, what is it you want me to be doing? And what is it I want to do that's your will? And what is it that I'm doing that's not really something you want me to do. Do I really need to be on four committees or is two enough? You know, making margin in your life is opposed to the way the world is right now. The world says, how much can you pack in? And you better also be on Pinterest and doing everything else. And that's not how God's calling us to live. God is calling us to set aside a margin around our lives and in that we move with him. And then what you find is as you've moved in with him, you, he moves. Where you go, he, you know he's there. We know he's there, but you know you know he's there once you've done that. Because you have fostered that relationship. One of the things that doing, just looking around at these different, and there's way, I mean, there's a, way more of these practices, but it, the reason I want to encourage us to, to look at them is that it's in the process of doing that that God restores the balance in our lives and he restores our soul and our spirit so we actually can give more and do more. Not more, more, but more out of the out of what he's calling us to in it in our lives it's in the closeness we develop with god and he can speak to us he can take our burdens and he can exchange our pains and we can walk in the sureness that comes from him this is a refocusing of our heart and a refocusing of our spirit And it was actually a hallmark of the early church because they were known because they loved one another. Because what happens when we've been through this process of intimacy in our own life, then we are more able to be intimate out in the world, in friendship, in um, caring for one another, in reaching out, um, in the way that God would have us reach out. The early church was known because they loved one another. So we develop this intimacy and it actually frees us and we actually move out more in the way he wants us to. Um, 
so if I put a little phrase together, it would be say, you abiding in Christ makes a difference in the world. Um, one of the one of the really, I guess, part of why I looked at this passage about sin and how we walk in the world is a few weeks ago I heard a talk uh, and uh, the speaker spoke about the fact that within the church and the world there's not a great deal of difference in the statistics of um, um, addiction, divorce, um, abuse. Um, there's a lot of things. And I, I was thinking... That was just, it really bothered me. It really, I just it kind of stuck in my craws. Like I thought, Lord, you've given us everything. You poured out. You give us everything, and the world looks at us and says, "Why would I want to belong to the church? You're just like everybody else. That's what they see." Now that's not a blank. That's kind of a blanket statement. Um, that to make these generalizations. And I don't want us to think I'm just dumping (laughs) the negativity of the world, but I believe that there's always room for us to walk more closely, for us to love more deeply and dearly. And I want... Oh, I, I, I don't want... I want the world to look at the church and say... I want to be part of that because those people know how to love. I think we have a huge amount of that here. I'm not dissing this church at all. I'm just saying that the world's kind of, the, the world kind of has a view out there. But if we walk it, if we live it, then we can change that atmosphere for them. And, I think individually we do that, and corporately we're working on that. And I want to encourage us to keep doing that, to say, I'll walk with my brother who's here. I'll be with that person who's in pain. I will encourage the one who's down. That's how we love. But we do that out of our relationship with the Lord. You can't do it on your own. You know that. When you're trying to beat something, You can't do it on your own. You need community. You need the Lord. You need his presence. And I just am so grateful that we are always pushing people to enter in, to be honest, to grow, to grow and walk as Jesus walked. The world will see that we're different. Who were the people that, I mean, maybe when you came to know the Lord, who was it that influenced you? to come into the church. We're kind of, because the people who sit in the pews are the gateway into the church. They're the ones people see. I, we saw people who, <laughs> they were different than the world. They wanted to be in church, for one thing. They, they were happy. They, they had a joy, not just a happiness. They cared for one another. They were different than the world around us. And we wanted what they want, what they had. I don't know what you have, but I want that. How come I never heard about that in the years I was in church? And that's what I want people to see when they look at my life. I want them to see I walk with the love of Jesus. I want Jesus. I don't want just the things. I want Jesus. But they're not going to see it 
if we don't have an intimate relationship that pours out in the love around us, as love around us. And so I just really want to encourage you to do that, to seek after him, to grow intimate, to take look at your life. Take some time. Look at how you're doing things and say, Jesus, is there something more? I kind of have this, this picture about, well, I think it, it, it happens actually. We sit, we sit with God and we say, and he goes, hey, thanks. I'm really glad you brought that to me. Do you want to do something about it? Yeah, I do, God, I do. Holy Spirit, come on in here. Let's see what we can do. Because he wants us to grow in that relationship. He wants us to change, to be like him, because he loves us. And he wants us to walk in the fullness of that. So the question would be, um, what's, what would hold you back from doing this? Um, what holds us back? Would it be fear? Would it be things of the world? Would it be fear of man? Would it be a disappointment that it might not unfold the way I think it's going to? I don't, I don't think those are valid. <laughs> those aren't valid things. You have to, we, we serve a God who loves and cares for us and wants us to be intimate with him. Fear is nothing for him. We put our fear at his feet and go with it. We put our disappointments at his feet. We put everything at his feet and away we go. We abide in him and we develop this intimacy. We let the transformation happen. Um... So I do, I, yeah, I just, I just want to encourage you to take some steps to grow closer to him. One of the things that I um, have been particularly appreciative of in music over the last number of years here is how much, in, I mean, our, the music this morning was just really great. Uh, entering into worship in music is fabulous. And, um, you know, that just God is good and you know, in his presence. And um, I'm trying to get Brad to write a song, actually. And the line, well, another song. And the line is, I long to sit in your presence. I love to sit in your presence, Lord, and drink from the cup of your love. Like that's, that's it. That's where I want to be. That's what happens when we come here. But there's, I, I'm really liking the music, the, some of the musicians, and uh, because the words that they're choosing Flow out. Of, I'm, they have to flow out of their relationship with the Lord because they couldn't come up with these without it. But um, they're songs that are crying for a deeper, intimate relationship with Him. And so much of the music is. And um, this, there's one one song that um, that I that I love, and it's by Jonathan Helser. It's called "Find Me," and this would be where. I think it expresses some of my thoughts today. I fall down upon the ground, press my face against the earth, till my heart it rises over my head. As the wheat it bows down low, when the autumn winds blow, I kneel before the one I love. Find me grateful, find me thankful, find me on my knees. Find me dreaming, find me singing, find me lost in your grace. Like the dust that you first held in a garden where you knelt 
Pull me up against your face again till the breath of your hope fills the depths of my soul. All I know is I've been found by love. Like the dust that you first held in a garden where you knelt, pull me up against your face again till the breath of your hope fills the depths of my soul. All I know is that I've been found by love. Amazing song, Found by Love. Are you willing to grow closer? Are you willing to do that? I would just encourage you to do that today. Um, we've got people who will pray through the la- as we're doing the last song. Um, pray with you. If, if it's a struggle that you've got in it, come and let somebody pray with you and stand before God and say, yes, yes. I want to be one of those people that your love pours out to others. I want to love one another like you loved me. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got to say. Yeah.